Welcome back to the podcast. As you know, abortion and any legal issue pertinent to abortion have been a hot topic nationally. No shortage of passion on both sides of the issues. On October 11th, 2022, the United States Supreme Court refused to hear an appeal from a decision of the Rhode Island Supreme Court. The appellant was a group called Catholics for Life and two Rhode Island women who were suing on behalf of their unborn children. The goal of the suit was to get a court to rule that unborn children have the same or similar rights as do children who have already been born. This is one of those issues where the courts absolutely do not want to discuss the true underlying reason they have ruled as they have. Lots of subterfuge. Today, I'm going to put a spotlight on that matter so you can see what's being hidden from you. The Dr. Reality Vodcast with Dave Champion. Let's start with this. The most important aspect you need to know is that from its very first trial court filing all the way through the recent appeal to the United States Supreme Court, the argument in the Catholics for Life case has been that unborn children have rights under the 14th Amendment. Now, before I get rolling, I think it's important to clarify a couple of things. First, this presentation does not take a position for or against unborn children possessing rights. This is a legal analysis of how the courts will decide the matter based on the way the plaintiffs position their argument. Second, I have written several treatises addressing the 14th Amendment directly or tangentially. I have also lectured on the subject. In other words, I have some expertise in the subject matter. Third, most Americans are woefully ignorant concerning the 14th Amendment. So this may be the first time you'll be hearing what the amendment did and did not do. Also, if you value this kind of presentation, please subscribe and share it with others. You may recall that on June 24, 2022, the U.S. Supreme Court struck down Roe v. Wade in a decision now informally known as Dobbs. Most Americans hold an opinion that the Dobbs decision was either good or bad without understanding what the court was actually doing in Dobbs. I assure you, it was not doing what you thought it was doing, even if the outcome was to your liking. I did an earlier presentation about what SCOTUS was actually doing in Dobbs, and I'll put a link to that in the notes. I encourage you to watch it. Now, back to the current Catholics for Life case. The argument on appeal to the Supreme Court was that the Rhode Island courts, where the plaintiffs had repeatedly been ruled against, had based their decision on Roe, which held that the 14th Amendment did not grant any 14th Amendment rights to the unborn. Since Roe had been overturned in June, Catholics for Life contended the U.S. Supreme Court should declare the Rhode Island court decisions invalid. But here's the thing. Dobbs didn't overturn Roe on that basis. If you watch the presentation linked in the notes, you'll see that the Supreme Court overturned Roe to correct a structural flaw in the Roe court's legal reasoning, which had absolutely nothing to do with your perception of whether Roe was a good or bad decision. The Supreme Court needed to invalidate that structural flaw so that it could not be used again in future decisions with the structural flaw then defended as precedent. In other words, in reality, the Dobbs ruling wasn't focused on abortion. It was focused on ensuring the structural flaw could not be enshrined as precedent. Abortion just happened to be the issue in the case where the structural flaw occurred. Would it be constitutionally sound for a court to declare the 14th Amendment vested the unborn with rights? 
In the notes, I'm going to link an article I wrote many, many years ago concerning the constitutional meaning and purpose of the 14th Amendment. That article will be an eye-opener for most Americans. I hope you'll read it. Courts determine the meaning of statutes by analyzing the words the legislature employed in the statute. If the wording is clear and unambiguous, that's what it means, even if that meaning isn't what the people who drafted the original legislation intended. In other words, the actual words settle the meaning, not the original intent. However, finding the meaning and purpose of provisions of a constitution works exactly the opposite. The first step is to determine what the people who wrote a provision or an amendment intended it to mean and what purpose they intended it to serve. In other words, when it comes to judicial review of a constitution, the intended meaning and purpose is preeminent. So, what was the intended meaning and purpose of the 14th Amendment? The links I provided to the earlier presentations about Dobbs and the article about the 14th Amendment will make that crystal clear. But for now, I'll simply say the meaning and purpose of the 14th Amendment was to provide a form of citizenship for the men and women who had been slaves and were freed at the end of the Civil War as well as the passage of the 13th Amendment. If you have any doubt about this, all you need to do is read the Supreme Court's Slaughterhouse Cases. Another great resource is a work entitled Government by Judiciary by constitutional scholar and law professor Raoul Berger. The constitutions of the states in which slaves had been born did not permit slaves to be citizens, and the South losing the war didn't change that. Slaves had no citizenship, nor the rights that flow from citizenship. To resolve that, the people of the United States gave the recently freed black slaves a new form of federal citizenship by adopting the 14th Amendment. Once the freed slaves were citizens, any offspring would then automatically hold the same class of citizenship as the parents. However, and this is critical when it comes to the Catholics for Life case, there is nothing in the historical record from the framers of the 14th, the congressional sponsors of the amendment, or media articles of the day indicating any intention that the amendment would provide rights to the unborn. In the absence of any record of such intention, courts can't just wave a magic wand and pretend the 14th provides something never contemplated by its framers, sponsors, or the people of the states of the union who voted to make it a part of the federal constitution. In short, any legal argument claiming the 14th Amendment vested the unborn with rights will fail in every courtroom. It simply isn't a factual construct. At the outset, I said the matter is shrouded in subterfuge. How so? The federal government, which includes the federal courts, do not want Americans, most especially black Americans, to understand the 14th provided a different form of citizenship to the freed black slaves and their posterity than was and is enjoyed by white citizens. The citizenship provided to the freed black slaves was a mere shadow of the citizenship enjoyed by white citizens. We can see that memorialized in federal law to this very day in Title 42 of the United States Code, Section 1981, which reads in its relevant part, quote, all persons within the jurisdiction of the United States shall have the same right in every state and territory to make and enforce contracts to sue, be parties, give evidence into the full and equal benefits of all laws and proceedings for the security of persons and property as is enjoyed by white citizens, close quote. I should also point out that the phrase within the jurisdiction of the United States means within the jurisdiction of Congress by virtue of the Section 5 of the 14th Amendment, which says the Congress shall have the power to enforce by appropriate legislation the provisions of this article. The point being that white state citizens are not, 
within the jurisdiction of the United States, as that phrase is used in Section 1981. To be clear, none of what I'm discussing is a matter of currently existing racism. It is the result of the rampant racism that existed in the United States at the time the 14th Amendment was proposed and ratified. While slaves made up 12% of the U.S. population in 1864, they had zero political power. Whites had 100% of the political power. And while whites didn't want blacks to be slaves, they scoffed at the idea that blacks were equal to whites. White Americans gave blacks a separate form of citizenship with very limited rights because whites considered those limited rights good enough for black people. As you can imagine, no one in the federal government wants the American people to correctly understand what the 14th Amendment is or what it did. Those in power want the American people to continue to falsely believe the 14th Amendment is a shining example of racial equality in America. When it comes to the 14th Amendment, courts never state things plainly. They avoid discussing the underlying legal reasoning. Here is part of the decision of the Rhode Island Supreme Court in denying Catholics for life their claim that the 14th vests the unborn with rights. Quote, the unborn plaintiffs fail to assert a legally cognizable interest in person, which are contrary to the United States Constitution as construed by the United States Supreme Court. Close quote. While the Rhode Island Supreme Court was referring to Roe, the justices are well aware the 14th doesn't grant rights to the unborn with or without Roe, but they're unwilling to broach the subject of what the 14th Amendment actually did and how that is still the constitutional reality of it today. Had the court told Catholics for life what the 14th Amendment did and did not do, it's unlikely the plaintiffs would have bothered appealing to the United States Supreme Court. But no court wants to be clear with the American people about the 14th Amendment. There was an interesting statement in Kavanaugh's concurring opinion in Dobbs. That statement is, quote, the court will no longer decide how to evaluate the interests of the pregnant woman and the interests in protecting fetal life throughout pregnancy. Instead, those difficult moral and policy decisions will be decided by the people and their elected representatives through the constitutional process of democratic self-government. My take on that is Kavanaugh is telling the state legislative attorneys that states are free to vest the unborn with rights at the state level, but in doing so, they must not invoke the 14th Amendment. In other words, Kavanaugh is saying, just do it under state law and leave the 14th out of it because we don't want to open that can of worms. So if you appeal this issue to us based on the 14th, we won't accept your appeal. What we've been discussing is a subject that has been obfuscated by the courts for at least 70 years, resulting in Americans generally holding an inaccurate view of the subject. Now, imagine a subject in which the Supreme Court has been crystal clear, yet Americans still hold a completely inaccurate view. I am, of course, referring to the widely held belief that everyone owes income tax when, in fact, almost no Americans owe a penny of income tax and never have. What has occurred is that Americans are the victims of one of the most elaborate, pervasive, and successful government disinformation campaigns in history. Let me give you just one example of hundreds. In government school, students are taught that the adoption of the 16th Amendment authorized the government to tax the labor of ordinary Americans. Yet, in 1916, the United States Supreme Court held that the 16th Amendment did not grant Congress any new taxing powers. That case, Stanton v. Baltic Mining, has never been overturned and stands as the law of the land to this very moment. Despite that, generations of public school students have been taught the 16th Amendment granted Congress a new power to tax the labor of the American people. 
Government disinformation? What government disinformation? The government's disinformation campaign is so vast, it would be difficult to cover it all here. But I assure you, everything you've heard about the income tax from business associates, accountants, attorneys, and even possibly your own parents is both false and the result of the government's massive and successful disinformation campaign. The good news is it is incredibly simple to learn the truth, to see what the law really says, presented in a very clear and easy to understand manner by reading Income Tax Shattering the Myths. Income Tax Shattering the Myths came out in 2010 and has never received less than four out of five stars in reviews by your fellow Americans. Hundreds of thousands of Americans have already safely walked away from the income tax scam with the wonderful information you will discover in income tax shattering the myths. As I close, there is a similar phenomenon with another massive and successful disinformation campaign. This one is about human physiology. That government-led disinformation campaign has literally killed hundreds of millions of Americans. As you're listening to me right now, America is the most chronically ill society in all of human history. Despite our wealth, scientific prowess, and medical technology, Americans are the most chronically ill people in all of human history, needlessly suffering from illnesses such as heart disease, diabetes, metabolic syndrome, obesity, cancer, Alzheimer's, and more. Big men, Big Food and Big Pharma have made trillions of dollars, literally trillions of dollars, from the government-led disinformation campaign that brought America to being the most chronically ill society in history. The good news is it's all reversible. To that end, I strongly encourage you to read Body Science, unless you enjoy being ill or almost certainly becoming ill. Body Science is a physiology book that's presented in a way that's easy for everyone to understand. 100% of the reviews for Body Science have been five stars. Once you've read Body Science, you'll never again be fooled by the lies of Big Gov, Big Food, Big Med, or Big Pharma concerning physiology and health. So, go to drreality.news, that's drreality.news, and change your life forever by picking up a copy of Income Tax Shattering the Mist and or Body Science, you have my word, either or both, will be the most fascinating nonfiction books you have ever read. Not only will these books change your life, but purchasing Income Tax Shattering the Mist and or Body Science, by doing so, you help me continue to be here with these presentations, which have been free to the public since I started doing them nearly 20 years ago. Again, if you think this video is valuable, I encourage you to share it and to subscribe, and thank you for being here.